Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. How's it going, everybody? TJ Sutherland here on the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. Uh, check out our new shows, which go live on the first and third Monday of every month. And you can find all of our previous shows on our website, which is foreverinelectricdreams.com. Joining me, as always, are Imran Mirza. Howdy. And Dan Collicott. Hey there. So, for today's topic, we'll be discussing the uh, the ever-popular uh, and seemingly immortal as well, Super Spy, 007 License to Kill, alcoholic and riddled with, no doubt, millions of STDs, which we've never heard of before. <laughs> and also, Borderline Psychopath, he's got it all, uh, the uh, incomparable Mr. James Bond. We should all so, applaud. I feel like we should applaud at that. <laughs> what a great introduction. Amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, at the moment, um, a lot of press going around about the Bond. Primarily, well, two main reasons at the moment. You've got No Time to Die in cinemas. Uh, is it next month, I believe? I think it's November, right. yeah. Yeah, November. Um, but as always as well, bigger news than that. Um, reports of potentially a new bond coming in um well it would have to be because daniel craig's retired now but the reports are that um it's not a done deal though but the reports are that um it's going to be a certain tom don't call me bane hardy (laughs) but you know Um, that rumor that rumor has been going around for years it's i know it's obviously come come back to the fore and people they've actually suspended betting on it Hmm, Um, yeah but they think it leaked before it was going to be announced after the release of the next bond film but yeah it's actually been going around for years ever since i think um didn't he try out for it previously though although he taught he'd spoken to them I think when Craig said he was going to retire the first yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly that, yeah. Right, that, yeah. that was when the, the rumours sort of first kicked off. Mm. Um, and it then kind of went a bit quiet. And then there was a lot of, um, yeah, there was a lot of kind of trolling and press that it, it, mm. it might they might actually change the sex mm. or race of Bond. And then I think that deflected from Tom Hardy. But, yeah which we will come on to next, I'm sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, and he would actually be, well, whoever's next will be the eighth man to play Jane Bond. It's been quite a few over the years. But, uh, you know, going going back to, to Hardy, what, uh, what are your first thoughts on the choice, if, it, if indeed it does turn out to be him? Let's go, let's go with you, Imran. What are your thoughts on... I think he's... Somewhat dream casting, isn't it? It's um, I, like I was surprised because that yeah, I, 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 for some reason Bane has been the most prevalent thought I've had since back to back to back podcasts talking about that. But yeah, Bane's but I girl. don't know why. I just keep imagining him doing Bane voice throughout the movie. <laughs> like I feel like we should all rotate and just this pick a classic happen, Bond line. <laughs> yeah, we, let's all pick a classic Bond line and deliver it in Bane voice. Martini, oh, shaken, stirred. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like he's oh, dream casting in so many ways, and I, I just yeah, I I'm quite. I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't label myself a Bond uh, enthusiast or anything. Oh my but... god! Sorry to interrupt you. I just had I just had his voice call, uh, calling <laughs> Money Penny's name in my head. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and do it. It just sounded incredible. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> now you're thinking about it as well. Money. So continue. Penny. Money Penny. Oh, we're just going to end up doing really delightful impressions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on. So yeah, so you're saying right. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's well, he's one of my absolute favorite actors working today. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm not necessarily a, a Bond enthusiast, but my my uh, um, um, what's the word? My my level of interest would would soar uh, with him in the role. I'd be very very excited to see what he would do with it. I think it would be a really really it is dream casting. Yeah, there's very few people I could put 
uh, that I would list above him as someone that I'd like to see in the role. Yeah. How about you, you Dan? Um, I guess the first reservation is he's quite short. I don't know how I don't know how tall um, right, five nine. Daniel, Daniel Craig is, but yeah, Tom Tom Hardy's quite short. But he's also he's about he, had to, he had to wear um in um inserts when he was filming ba- um filming as going back to Bane, sorry. But when he was filming <laughs> Batman, he had to put um heels on, like put Cuban inserts heels. into his yeah, because um Bale's like six foot odd and he was shorter than everyone. So he had to every scene oh, wow. he was in he was wearing wearing inserts. I'm not, but yes, I'm not that surprised. could be a bit that could be a bit tricky. But to be fair, I don't know if you've both seen the film I think it's Warrior. Have you seen Warrior? Uh I have not, but yeah, I know of it, yeah. Yes, yeah, so the MMA uh movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He is I mean, his physique and his yeah. presence in that film is just incredible so i think he could do it if he needed to um he's also i think he's 43 and i think there's been speculation that anyone who takes the bond role is pretty much a 10-year deal so he's mm-hmm. going to be in his 50s when and if he wait sorry how old is he i think he's 43 isn't he oh wow blimey i did not think he was that that old i think yeah. i've got that right he's yeah, it's definitely early forties. Um, yeah. So yeah, which is not. I mean, when you when you think of kind of, I don't know. In in my mind, both Sean Connery and uh, Roger Moore seem to they seem to be fairly Moore, old in my brain. Yeah, Moore was old when he when he, I think he was near pushing fifty, if not fifty already. Yeah, uh, he might have been pushing sense. fifty. Connery, I think, was in his thirties, in his late thirties. Yeah. Um, but uh, Craig, how's Craig now? Craig's like 50, 50 something now. So he would have been in his 40s as well. So he's probably kind of in the right age range to to be starting starting into it. Um, and and also, he look, he, to me, he's a young 40, 40 as well. Like he doesn't yeah. look um, 40, 43 as well. It's staggered when you say it was, but yeah. No, no, agree with that. And I think um, he's definitely got the acting chops for it. Uh, it's kind of weird because um, I think I mentioned this uh, to you guys before before the podcast, is if you think of some of the other candidates for Bond, like Tom Hiddleston, hmm. um, who was the other one? Uh, Tom Hiddleston, Sam, uh, what was his name? Sam Mendes. He was in. He was in the show Outlander. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> what you mean. I know the show you mean. Yeah, he uh, he's a guy that's in there. He he does have a good look for it as well. Um, kind of got the right physique. I think he's about six foot odd. Um. Oh yeah, the other one and- was. Idris Elba, and I and know. Elba, yeah, I'm of course, Idris. Yeah, yeah. preempting another discussion point, but yeah. I think the thing is with Tom Hardy is he's only ever done really quite big, brash, loud characters. He's never really just been um, Tom Hardy, and mm. I think it would be interesting if he was to be Bond. He was. He would essentially be. A very refined, you know, English English accent version of himself. Hmm. Whereas, you know, it, with Tom Hiddleston, I know he has done some other kind of dramas and, and films, but he's quite, you know, he's iconic as Loki. And I always think Idris Elba is already iconic, as it, you know, Idris Elba is Idris Elba, and no, no matter what film he's in, he is hmm. that he he is the same person. I never hmm. really see much difference um so it'd be kind of cool to actually have tom hardy who's you know better known for being all these you know various various really kind of almost cartoonish characters um, picking up on that if i if i may dan i i kind of well half agree um in terms of i think he's got a wider range of of things than um 
you know, in terms of cartoonish characters. I mean, there was that, I can't remember the name of the movie. Was it, um, was, it was just him in a car for like an hour and a half. Have you guys seen that one? Oh, the mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Genius film. A really, really edgy seat movie. It's just him in, alone in a car on the phone. It's amazing. But I, I okay. think he's the type of actor that he, he's one of those very few people, I think, that you don't see it's Tom Hardy in every role he plays. You know, he's, he's mm. got a real incredible ability to kind of inhabit whoever it is he's playing. And I think with Bond, there are so many layers of of kind of almost by no means to discredit Daniel Craig in the role, but there's a lot of layers that kind of peel away from people's expectations. And I think Tom, it'll be interesting to see what Tom Hardy makes of the man behind all of that. Do you hmm. know what I mean? Because it won't be just, oh, it's Tom Hardy playing Bond. I think Tom Hardy yeah. would go to great lengths to find out, well, who is the guy who's, who's, really? who's doing this job? I don't Interesting thought. I mean, so the film you're talking about is Locke, the one where he's right, yes, driving to Wales or something. But yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, incredible film. Um, but yeah, you've got a point because I think Daniel Craig. I love Daniel Craig. I really yes, he's yeah. he's been a bit brilliant Bond. Um, I, I'm not as much a fan of some of the films he's from some of the Bond films he's been in as much as I would have hoped. But I think he he's been an excellent Bond. But I don't. I've never felt at any point that his acting, you know, his performance was particularly, you know, textured, complex. There's not. There was not much to it. And if you if you think of um, Tom Hardy's other most iconic film in recent times, which is Mad Max, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say Tom Hardy did had to do much acting in that because he probably only had about one page worth of lines. But it would be interesting if he, you know, what he would bring to that role and if he would actually try and and, and make Bond a bit more, you know, three, three-dimensional. I guess that's that's the interesting and I think slight reservation I had when I first heard his name thrown into the hat because... I think I had a similar, well, I've only kind of really seen him in, you know, crazy over the top roles and all that kind of stuff. I don't know the breadth of his, his catalogue. I've, I've not seen Locke and I'm, sh- and, you know, and I know, you know, a lot through reading a bit more up on him, I know that he's. Have you seen Bond? Uh, yes, oh a long God. time ago, but I, I wow. but yeah, again, I remember it being absolutely brilliant and insane and, you know, just all over the shop. But again, a, a good demonstration of, of his range. And if you look through his, his back catalog again, you can kind of see that, you know, he's not, Oh, he's definitely not a one trick pony. Um, and I, I, I guess looking back along the catalog of, of bonds, you know, they've all had their own kind of <clears throat> style of doing things, you know, Daniel Craig, a little bit more thuggish, much more, you know, blunt instrument type thing. Piers Brosnan, the smooth, sophisticated type, um, same with Roger Moore, but a bit more jokey, more quips. Sean Connery, probably, maybe closer to the Daniel Craig kind of style. So it's, and I was when I first heard Hardy's name put out, I immediately thought that it would be a similar thing to Craig in terms of blunt instrument, thuggish, you know, all action kind of kind of um, style of Bond, which disappointed me. A little bit because I thought you're kind of going like for like and you know it would have been nice to have seen like you know a Tom Hiddleston come in yeah or yeah like a a, a, you know go go back to a more kind of smooth refined kind of person or character um or that type of bond uh for the next iteration but you know I'm I'm again looking back at his his um his catalogue and looking at his range I'd like to think that he um, will stretch himself a bit and, you know, try and bring something that we haven't seen from Bond before. I mean, I don't, I've no idea what that could be, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, on reflection, I've got higher hopes than I did when I first heard the name. I think one of the main kind of talking points of considerations with Bond is, the Daniel Craig essentially, you know, 
the entire uh, how many films has he had? Is it four, or five? Four, I believe. Is this going to be the fifth? Casino Royale. Uh, this one, No Time to Die. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Spectre. 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 So five. Yeah. Okay, so I think there was a lot of attempts, and you know, quite well done actually, to evolve the character, even you know the world he operates in, to actually modernize Bond more than any other kind of series of of Bond films that I've I've seen in my kind of generation. So it's kind of interesting to see. With with someone like Tom Hardy, are they going to, you know, are we going to kind of start to move away from the smooth talking, um, alcoholic, uh, one night stand themed, you know, <laughs> chauvinist? Are we? Because I think you know, I think there was there were a few things about Bond about Daniel Craig's Bond I found a bit unnecessary like he would drink a a bottle of Heineken rather than a you know a martini and he'd just be like well yeah there's no no need for that I mean he doesn't have to <laughs> bed, bed everyone yeah, that he give us a Guinness, give us a Guinness mate <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah, well, so with a straw Tom Hardy's <laughs> going to come in and you know I want want a red red stripe and some nuts, please, mate. <laughs> Maybe sham. <laughs> Night coke. <laughs> Baby sham. Now there. Wow. Jesus. Um, but yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, right, mate, you know. I want a fucking slippery nipple. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does his cockney bit because you know he's done more cockney rolls. <laughs> What are you yeah, but I don't think Tom Hardy has. Like, I mean, look at Inception as an example, or Tinker Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's kind of got he he can be. I think he's. And I completely forgot he was in Inception poised. as well. Yeah, I think he's perfectly yes. poised to actually go to take it in either direction, like to mm. continue in Craig's vein or to be that bridge towards, say, a Tom Hiddleston role, mm. a, a Tom Hiddleston character uh, actor. I mean, I should say, yeah. but I actually think he's a perfect bridge for those two kind of those other iterations that we've come to know now. I think he's, he could take mm. them into both ways. I mean, oh, do me a favor, mate. I know <laughs> you're evil. Just get the fucking part where you tell us the evil plan. Then I'm going to nut you and we're going to get, get off to the pub before it closes. All right. You slag. You Anywho, moving on from uh, Mr. Hardy, uh, I think, I think, you know, general consensus there is, you know, we're all willing to give him, give him a shot and, I mean, I think I, I, I don't think you know. Obviously, it's very much dependent on the films that he gets because I've seen people who I thought were exceptional bonds in some absolute dog shit films. Looking at Mister Brodman. Um, however, what uh, you know? I, I mean, we've touched upon um, Daniel Craig uh, and his his five efforts. I mean, what what your? I mean. I, Going back to you, Imran, as you said, you you're not like the biggest uh, Bond aficionado. But were there anything in the, in Craig's run that kind of piqued your interest a bit? Or well, the best thing of... about oh, sorry, yeah, no, the the best thing about Craig was I think he was the perfect um, reinvention. He's one of those the best timed kind of uh, Bond. I think Casino Royale was the perfect reinvention of of the franchise because I think it had kind of dissolved into sort of a parody of itself i think by by the end and that was kind of the thing like i thought i thought pierce brosnan was brilliant i actually i think as a as a bond i thought he was excellent but i think um his movies weren't bad by Take any work. means um oh so wait <laughs> some who, Craig, Craig's, or, Craig's or brosnan's Oh no, uh, uh, Brosnan's. I don't think they were like atrocious or anything, but I think he was. I think he was well cast, but I just think he it, it, the the role at that point had become something else, uh, or the films had become something else. Like I remember being in the cinema mm. at, for for um for Goldeneye, and you just got cheers at those. Yeah, you know, he's Gold, at the Goldeneye bar. 
Cold Night was good, but it was kind of like if he's if he's like ordering a drink, he orders the drink, and everyone cheered. You know, he pulls, "What's your name?" Bond, James Bond. Everyone cheered. You know, it became like like bingo. Like it was kind of like you look for your set pieces, and I think he had just become a parody of himself at that point. I don't blame Brosnan for that. You know, whoever was in the role at that time would have had the same thing. And I think Craig, I think Craig's done a great job. I think he's done a brilliant job. I would counter that the the Brosnan run because I I was I wanted him to become Bond before Dalton because he he was actually um, set to take it on before Timothy Dalton got off of it. I didn't uh, know was, that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. He um he was filming uh, his TV show Remington Steel at the time, and he was contracted to do that, so he couldn't take the time off to to do the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is it's a real shame. I mean, Dalton was. Don't get me wrong, Dalton was, was good as well, but um, he got two very good films, I, I felt. Um, yeah. But I feel that Brosnan got... like GoldenEye was very was very good, great entrance for him, but Tomorrow Never Dies, World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day were just not great films at all. Like, even... Yeah, even by Bond standards, it was just... Which is the one were, with the invisible car? Which one another, had that? Die Another Day. Right, that was an example of you've just you know now it's the gadgets you know where it's yeah. kind of like, right we need funk funk you know really exciting gadgets and it just became those those like I said those layers of of just public perception of oh yeah. well he I has to just, do this he has to do that yeah I think they just really struggled with what direction they were I, I, I think to your point they they struggled with what what were they trying to make the Bond films at that time uh, were they action movies were they Spook, not quite spoofs, but kind of living up to yeah. uh, living up to the Bond moniker, or you know, they weren't quite sure how they wanted them to land. And I think yeah. didn't the didn't the Bond films come out around the same time, or were they afterwards? Um, uh, I think probably Bourne towards films, the end of the run, the first Bond film. Yeah, the first one came out in about two thousand two. So yeah, it'd been around. But um, you know what? I think actually killed it. Time. What actually ruined it? Was that Austin Powers? Uh, yeah, that's true. When did uh, that was late nineties, wasn't it? Um, no. It was. Was it late nineties? Um, I think the problem was that you know Austin Powers did everything Bond to, to you know to the eleventh degree to, to the point oh, yeah. of came out exactly at, the same time, ninety seven. <laughs> absolute parody, yeah. And what they should have done is responded to that and tried to sort of dial dial down. Those kind of big caricature, you know, those yeah. tropes, those those elements that, you know, not not get rid of them, but I think, you know, the cartoonish um, uh, evil henchmen and bad guys and all that kind of jazz, but they they didn't. Instead, they seem to double down on it and mm. dial it up. And I think um, then- there was. I, I, God, I remember. I, I can't remember which film it was. The one with Alan Cummings in it. Uh, that was Goldeneye. Yeah, and and, and I I really like Goldeneye, but I I do remember there were some lines that he had, and I think he ended up getting frozen or something. Yeah. And it, it, even then, and that that was the first outing. You were kind of like, oh, this is a bit, you know. It, 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 it when I look back on it now, when I when I kind of I think I saw it on TV quite recently, I was kind of feeling mm. like it was more like I was watching an Austin Powers film than I was watching a Bond film, which is I, is weird. That, that's a really interesting point. Actually. I mean, if those Austin Powers films hadn't hadn't come out, and those films had, had just, do you think that they would have been better? Because I I would just, I would assume they would have done the same film because because at the end of the day they have all the typical Bond tropes, the evil villain trying to take over the world or trying to destroy the world, the pretty girl, the gadgets, the, you know, the drinks, the action, the set pieces, all of that stuff is, and that that stuff carried on through to Craig's run, which was a little bit more, a little less gadgety, but essentially you had a lot of the same tropes. You had the villain, you had the girl, all that kind of stuff. But do you think then because of the Austin Powers thing, it kind of made people look at the Bond movies in a different way or in a, in a less of a, a lesser light as it were. And if that, if they hadn't come out, they would have done a bit better or been received a bit better. I mean, hard to say it, it did 
But for me, I mean, I, I actually really loved the Austin Powers films. Yeah, um, same. Um, and I was a you know a, a fan of of all things Bond. Hmm. And it, it it is kind of hard to you know once once the horse has left the stable, it's hard to put that hmm. put him back without kind of you know constantly you know get, getting this kind of mixed zeitgeist where people people are, are are kind of quoting things that are essentially just parody lines of a bond film but in a yeah. different franchise with different characters but they're essentially the same characters so so yeah maybe it it, it didn't help that that happened because maybe mm. it it undermines the the intellectual weight of that franchise and it i think that was probably the thing about bond that it, it was always quite uh i don't know tongue in cheek it was a bit playful it it naturally never took itself too seriously yeah exactly and that was a very uk it was a very british thing to do it's what what differentiated our you know our films from a lot of the american action films of that time and of that era so i think but once you kind of parody that and once it becomes a little bit old hat and a little bit you know hackened and you know you sort of think well they've we've kind of done this to death and we you know you, you, when you're quoting lines and as Iman says people are in the cinema cheering lines you kind of think yeah maybe maybe this has run its course mm-hmm. um but to be fair, I think you know um, the the Daniel Craig films dialed it down uh, and and managed to kind of get the right balance. Even if I don't know, I can't remember which film. I think it was Spectre, where hmm. in the middle of the film, for no apparent reason, he flies somewhere and finds some hot woman and has sex with her. For it's no like real literally or every Bond film. <laughs> well, yeah, but this was just like it was just like it. It wasn't integral to the plot. It, it was yeah. almost like you know there was a writers' room and they all kind of sat around and they kind of go, "Oh, we finished the uh, we finished the edit, boss. We we've got a really good, compelling boss. The bad guy does this. There's these set pieces and there's this action boss, and then this kind of elderly gent comes in and goes, "Well, you know." Um, do we have a, do we have a really extensive scene of Bond getting off with a young filly and bedding her and then buggering off? Oh no! Oh man, we haven't. Uh, no, we didn't put that in. We we kind of we kind of cut that scene because no one really wants it anymore. Well, put it back immediately, old Bean. And it was just like, yeah, oh, okay. Well, we'll just you know stick it in the middle of the film. That's what she uh, said. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that was sort of the only trope which I was kind of like, oh man, we're still doing this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, it's you know, it, 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 you're, I think you're you're right with that one. I think it's it it I, when it got to the Brosnan era, it got into itself a little bit too much and. The one thing, good thing they they did with the Craig films, which I appreciated, um, was it it felt a bit more grounded in reality. If that yeah, that makes any sense, like you know, they stripped away like a lot of the crazy gadgets and this, and they kind of made it a little bit more, a little bit more down to earth again. Um, which which I think it, it kind of at that point as well, it needed it. It was like early two thousands, and you know, people weren't having the that over the top nonsense anymore but but you've already kind of touched on why and it i think it was a reaction to definitely the born series of films yes and, Mich- sure. and mission impossible because yeah, it had become true. i think that there was a real serious fact that you know tom cruise and matt damon were doing bond films better than bond was yeah and that, that obviously became an issue yeah for sure um, interesting one. I just thought of actually. So, obviously, there's been a ton of people that played uh, Jane Bond, but out of any, out of if you think back to a lot, some of the earlier ones, which you know, which one kind of stand out to you? Like, someone says to you, Jane Bond, which of those actors do you instantly, without even kind of thinking about it, like 
the picture in, in your head? Um, you know, which guy's synonymous with Bond for you? Uh, let's go with Dan. Um, I think for me, it has to be Roger Moore because I I grew up as a, as a young, as a, as a wee nippet uh, when first watching Bond films, which were always on TV every Easter, every Christmas, every, every bank holiday <laughs> on loop. And I think you know when I was very very young, um, this Roger actually explains Moore, your terrible jokes as well. <laughs> damn straight um but yeah so i think for a long time you know he 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 was bond and he probably always will be the the original kind of bond i grew up with i think mm. the first um film i went to see was i think living daylights which is timothy dalton is that right yes yeah yeah so i think that's my first and really treasured memory of going to the cinema. Good film as well. Really good film. Yeah, it's a great film. Um, and and then, you know, I actually saw every Pierce Brosnan film at the cinema. Which is <laughs> yeah, quite funny. All downhill from there, basically. It was a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think uh, definitely Roger Moore. Um, what about yourself, TJ? Uh, for me, because uh, I'm a bit older than you, um, definitely would be Sean Connery. Uh, my my favourite films, um, Goldfinger. I think that was probably... No, the first Bond film I saw was actually the first uh, Bond film. Uh, it was actually the first Bond film, which was uh, Doctor No. And I, to be honest, I think that's the first one I saw. But I, the thing is, I have vivid memories of my parents because it was filmed in Jamaica because that's where oh. Ian Fleming uh, lived for a long time. So a couple, of, I think the first two movies are set in Jamaica. And, um, and my parents, whenever it used to be on TV, my, my dad would be like, oh, yeah, so there's like Montego Bay and there's da 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 So I just remember always having that memory in my head of whenever the Bond film came and my dad would start raving about this area being this and this, that area being that. Um, but yeah, favourite Bond film, Goldfinger, and Sean Connery just kind of, he had that, and bearing in mind, obviously, this is back in the 60s, so there was a lot of shit in those movies, which wouldn't fly in 2020, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get too deep into that, because I think we actually covered that in a previous podcast, but uh, he is the one that immediately springs to mind. Um, he had the kind of ruggedness of uh Daniel Craig, you know, the ability to kind of throw down with with a with a guy if he needed to. Um but also just used to smash it with the ladies, obviously. Um but yeah, he kind of carried off that he had a nice balance between the smooth and, and the roughness that you kind of need for that character as well. Um for me anyway. So uh what about you, Iran? Any uh well any for me for you? I it was um Roger Moore was kind of the one I used to gravitate towards, but I was, it was sort of like watching, I don't know, uh, it, it kind of became a thing that everyone would sort of grown at because it was always, I was always be surrounded by Sean Connery fans and it was sort of like, oh my gosh, mm. Roger Moore is like, isn't as great as I potentially thought he was kind of growing <laughs> up. I, those were the, his movies I kind of gravitated more, more so towards, I think, but then everyone would be like, no, Sean Connery's the best, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, Okay. So um, yeah, but Roger Moore was kind of the one. Uh, mm. I, I honestly have no memory of what the first movie I would have saw was. It probably would have been the Roger Moore ones, but uh, yeah, he was the one I liked. Uh, and he's been in the most. most. Of, he's been in the most as well. Oh he's really? Been in, yeah, he's been in six, seven, seven films. He's been seven. in so. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure anyone's really gonna unless someone comes in when they're like thirty. I'm not sure anyone's gonna kind of break that record so um yeah so looking back across the history of Jane Bond you know Sean Connery Roger Moore Timothy Dalton Pierce Brosnan Daniel Craig Ian Fleming wrote Bond as a white man um to be fair so um but obviously in recent times things are changing you know um in the casting uh, Money Penny is now a uh, black black woman. 
Um, Felix Leiter is uh, is now played by a black guy as well. Um, and, you know, there's talk of Idris Elba potentially taking on a role and in the new film, uh, the 007 Codenames taken up by uh, Lashana Lynch. She's a great actress. Um, and, you know, it kind of throws into question perhaps what does that mean for Bond franchise going forward? You know, could Bond be black? Could he be, what, be a different race? Uh, or could the character be a different sex? Um, you know, so, you know, what are your thoughts on, obviously outside of the obvious reasons why people would kick off about it, what, <laughs> what, why, do you, why do you think that the idea of changing that character is, is such a divisive one? when there are other characters in the franchise that have been changed, like, you know, what, what are your thoughts around that? Do you think it's something that could happen or shouldn't happen? Or, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Let's go with Imran on this one. I definitely think it's something that will happen uh, in time that will get a, a black or non-white uh, bond uh, in time. I mean, if, if the rumors of, uh, or if the early reports of Tom Hardy are, confirmed then it will be at least 10 years or so uh until it can happen again um but i do think in time it will happen but i think it's a really interesting kind of concept because my initial response to it is yeah why not like literally why not i don't comprehend the argument that says you can't do it you know i mean idris elba obviously is the name who kind of got thrown into this the most because he seemed like he was a genuine contender at some point um and he obviously this is the second time that he would have had to go through this what with his casting in the thor franchise where Mm. there was huge uproar about the fact that you know he he was brought in to play what was essentially a white character or that the fact that there were no black characters in nordic mythology Mm. so he's this is the second time he's really had to kind of go through this um, which, which can't be a pleasant experience. But I mean, for me, I kind of look at it, well, like a literary character is, you know, it's it's a vessel, you know, that you kind of, you can portray that, the essence of that character within different vessels. That's the whole kind of point of it. And so I don't get the, the kind of, the, the response where it's a vehement, no you know where people don't comprehend it but hmm. there was a it was a, a conversation on um on lbc I, I listened to some months ago and i actually got really stumped by it because they were discussing that very notion of well you know how far can you transform a character on screen from their literary roots and there were conversations about um tom holland had said not to go too far off topic but tom holland has said um, that he would be very happy to play uh, gay uh, Peter Parker if they had went that way with the character and he was going to be gay he'd be perfectly happy to, to to do that and there was obviously a big response of well no you're Peter Parker Mary Jane he's not you know being gay isn't part of his story um, and mm-hmm. the the presenter was saying but they kind of tied it into this Bond conversation about basically characters being vessels so they said well what if you made Mary Jane a man and it's like oh that's really interesting because <laughs> that's and I kind of felt well that is really interesting so ultimately my point of changing the gender I'm sort of probably less on board with like mm. the idea of a non-white bond I don't see what the problem is I, I, on a hand on heart I don't I just don't see it but so if you were to the conversation that turns into I don't want to go too far off topic in terms of yeah, if we're yeah. going to move on to there in a moment but yeah. the idea of changing bond into a a, a woman that one perplexes me where it's like, well, I don't get why they never just created a new character and almost just featured a, a female 008, for example, in a Bond movie with Daniel Craig and then just launched off her spinoff, her, like her own series of movies and sort of yeah. like that. But I'm sorry, that's a rambling response. But no, no, no. Um, part of it, I, I am, you know, I don't get what the, the fuss is about in terms of changing the uh um, the race of 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 Bond, but then the gender is sort of a, is a different thing, and I don't know why that one stops me. But I know Dan had some really okay. interesting points about why yeah. he didn't think he should be non-white. So Dan, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> well, sorry, ever. Sorry, ever. You I'm joking, joking. Before you You're jump in, Dan, just just very quickly, I guess I I, I think from my perspective, 
like the the racing obviously you know i i see no i don't i i have i have a i have a, i have a take on it whereby i think there's no reason why he couldn't be he couldn't be non-white but he doesn't need to be non-white if that makes sense like mm. he doesn't necessarily need to be any particular thing and as for the gender thing it's that's a trickier one i mean i guess you know i i think your idea of of going hey look let's do a you know we we know that there are other double o agents give the title to you know make double o eight a woman and give her you know an offshoot um a, a sister film that, that, that thing but you know some <laughs> something within the franchise i i i guess it's it's tricky because the the character's name is james bond which is a male name i guess so you know how do you flip that in a way to make it gender neutral i mean i was because i was thinking of the example that where they had in uh, battlestar galactica where in the 70s show uh the one of the main two characters was a guy uh starbuck and in the two in the re- reimagining the 2000 version uh, it, was, it was she was cast as a woman, and it didn't feel weird, different, or like it didn't make any sense. It it just was it was what it was. Um, so yeah, I I, it, I guess maybe there is a clever way to do it, but I, I think the sticking point for me, I guess, is just the fact that it is a male name that is the the title of the film. Right, the, yeah. Not the title of the film, but the title, the name of the main character. So, how you get around that is tricky for me. Um, but sorry, Dan, tell us about how you're racist again. I remember to edit this very carefully when you get to it. I just read that. I just read that text that Dan sent. So, <laughs> no. I yeah, never want to see week. James Bond being a black man. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so I think picking up on I think what Iman said, really, do you need to have a female Bond? Couldn't you just? You know, create another franchise that that's led by a female secret agent, and as you said, introduce that within the, you know, within the same universe as Daniel Craig or, in this case, potentially Tom Hardy. That would make sense because I think you there's just no need to change who he who he is that fundamentally because that's what you know. As TJ, as you said, it's James Bond. That's the character. You know, this this was a 1950s secret agent, and they've already kind of changed a lot of the misogynistic um, and. What a great loss! I don't know. Hmm? What a great loss that is. <laughs> they, they've modernised him, so they kind of they've kind of done that. So I kind of feel like what what you are, what you are left with as an identity is he has to be a man of a certain age, you know, 30s, 40s. He needs to be British. Uh, he needs to be a secret agent. And that's about it. That's, about it, you know, yeah. he, he preferably has to have a few of the, 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 the fan-pleasing tropes and traits that the previous Bonds have. He should dress in sharp suits. So therefore, I think, well... You know, in modern society, colour doesn't dictate what a debonair, suave British uh, secret agent is in terms of race or colour. Because well put, we're we're a modern society, and that that's just not not a thing anymore. But mm. I think changing changing James Bond to a woman, it, it just feels like who. Who is that for? Why would you? Why would you do that? What would you be trying to achieve? It would be far better that the same writers, directors, actors, and actresses work together on a, on a 
on a new spin-off franchise that utilized the popularity of those characters, you know, overlapped by all means. Well, what, what is, what is apart from James Bond, arguably in the top five, most iconic British, um, uh, what, what would you call it? Characters. What other franchise? Uh, oh, uh, Doctor Who. There you go. Yeah. But Doctor I think Who. with that, like, I really genuinely um, like the new Doctor. I've actually forgotten her name. Uh, Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, Jodie Whittaker. I, I, yeah, I like, her. I like her a lot as well. What was your reaction to her casting in the first place, though? Has she won you over with what she's done in the role? Or were you always open to, to the question for both of you, or were you always open to the idea of a, of a female Doctor Who? I was I open to a different Doctor Who, probably going back before, uh, like, uh, just after Tenant, actually. Um, because, I, I mean, Doctor Who's the even bigger example of a character that can literally be anyone like man, woman, you know, um, uh, uh, disabled, like whatever, it, it, because the character regenerates into whatever it, that, that character is non-gender specific, non age specific, you know, yeah, everything. That's so if, if, if anything, that character should have been <clears throat> leading the way in terms of, you know, um, diversity through each regeneration. So, but yeah, as soon as, yeah, when they, when they cast her, I was, yeah, um, very happy with that. And I think the good thing is they laid the foundations for it because they, they, they made. Oh, they changed the the master. Yeah. So what's her name? Uh, Michelle Gomez. Yeah, exactly. And they, they had changed, they'd swapped the genders of a number of different roles Mm. And they, they, they were very. I, I think, you know, Doctor Who and Torchwood were very kind of, you know, that they, they they pioneered sort of more open sexuality. It wasn't always the same kind of, you know, chest beating kind mm. of male heterosexual. It was all. It was all. There was always a mixture of things and attitudes, and there, you know. The, the because wasn't, um, wasn't John Bar- Barryman? Yeah, yeah, his character was was gay, and wasn't there like suggestion that him and Doctor Who had had relationship? Kind of. Uh, you know, there was it was into that, wasn't it? Or maybe yeah, suggested. massively. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He definitely. Uh, John Barryman's character, Captain Jack, definitely yeah. was in love with the Doctor, yeah. and it was you know probably more Christopher Eccleston than David Tennant, but there was, mm. there was always massive uh, over overtones of the doctor being bisexual or not being particularly any one thing, mm. you know? And, and I think um, in that sense, it, it kind of makes, you know, it, it makes sense for the doctor who franchise to have a doctor as a woman, because I think they, They've pushed the boundaries in so many different directions with that, um, with that show, with that franchise. But with James Bond, I, I just feel like you know Idris Elba would make an amazing Bond. I think, unfortunately, he's now a little bit too old. He's nearly fifty, um, uh, and maybe that that window of opportunity has passed. But... I think he's he's pretty much said he wouldn't be interested in it at this point anyway. Yeah, I, think he's, he's, I mean, he's he's doing five million things, and yeah. he's not short. He's not short of work, so you know, I think he'd be yeah, fine. when he when he's not doing hip hop <clears throat> as well as films <laughs> yeah. and TV, yeah. but yeah, I think he would have been a fantastic uh, Bond. But yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't. I probably if they if they you know if suddenly they 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 pulled pulled a swerve on us and the whole Tom Hardy thing was a smokescreen. And they were introducing um, a female Bond. I don't know how I'd feel about it. I think I'd probably get used to it, uh, mm. get over the shock quite easily. But I hope that after they did the whole 007 reveal, um, you know, letting people know that it, that it was a woman 
hmm. before actually letting letting us know that Bond still existed. You know, Craig, Daniel Craig was still still in the film, and they trolled us. But it'd be interesting to see if if that character, the new 007, actually, you know, what 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 level of role will she yeah. get in the film? I mean, I get be more than a sidekick, you know. Yeah, I guess, I guess the workaround there. I guess the workaround there is going forward. You just say the film is 007, and it's not. It's no longer Jane Bond. That's genius. Yeah. Well, and you look then, what they did with Bourne. That they uh, they did. There's a TV series of Treadstone. The Treadstone. The the oh right, okay. The big agency. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Amazon oh, Prime. Okay. But. They even they took Matt Damon out of the franchise and just kind of made it about uh, other secret. Well, kind of secret. Wasn't there, wasn't, there a, wasn't there another Bourne film that wasn't him as well? Was it like yeah, Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy Renner? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then they brought him back again for another film, and now they've done the TV series. So that yeah. is a really good example of of a you know a franchise that they they did really good world building and character building enough that mm. you could have other stories and other characters and and still you know get a big audience so i mm. don't see why they they can't they can't do that with bond they just they should just broaden out and and build that world and expand yeah. that universe and and bring more more characters into it it's such it's such a money franchise. I can't. Yeah. You know, I do. I do wonder. Like what, <clears throat> I do, yeah, I do wonder what the Broccoli's like commitment to doing something like that would be because you know everything suggests everything that's going on at the moment with you know Amazon Prime and Netflix and Hulu and all the other um, streaming services and everyone building universes now as opposed to just doing a singular film. You know, I would have thought if they were going to do something like that, they would have jumped on that probably for like this film, if not the previous one. But you know, I, I'd be very surprised if they if they'd be interested in doing something like that. Maybe they just, you know, they just are happy with dropping a movie every few years and keeping the uh, try not to rinse the hell out of the franchise. Which I don't know. To me, maybe that's not such a bad thing. It kind of makes the films a bit more special. I know, but um, it would be but, overkill. Yeah. You're right. I hadn't really considered in terms of it would be almost every every year, every two years, you'd have a a Bond esque movie, of either the James Bond or Jane Bond movie. So it would be a bit, it would be a bit overkill, wouldn't it? Like, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Did you but just yeah. say Jane Bond? Jane uh, as a Jane as Bond. a fleeting substitution for a female led <laughs> series. Um, but yeah, let I me think... let me paint you a scenario. Let me paint you both a scenario Ooh. that you have to answer honestly. And this could technically happen, you know, in terms of if we take Bond as a genuine character, then he's already done this. But how would you feel? So Bond, a Bond movie in its peak template, he would tend to sleep with two women per movie. He would sleep with the woman for the first sort of at half of the movie. Uh, mainly for information, name uh, she would often be affiliated to the villain, like Terry Hatcher's character or the lady in Casino Royale. So he tends to sleep with her for the code or the phone number or the pass key or the you know whatever it is. Now, how would you feel if Bond has approached? He's entered the bar. He knows the target. Right, I've got to sleep with her for so and so. What if it wasn't a woman? What if that was a guy? And the guy is sort of like, ah, Mr. Bond, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, this dude's into me. Well, it's, I'm doing this for queen and country. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it like, but ends, but so that, so the first woman, obviously he sleeps with, isn't a woman. He sleeps with the guy and obviously, you know, and, and it's done in the same way. You don't necessarily see anything, yeah. but there's really no reason why Bond wouldn't do that. And it's not about making him gay. It's he in essence he's doing what that character. He's doing what he absolutely to needs to do, and it's just he would sleep with her for the info. In the same way, if the guy happens to be gay and it was you know expressing interest, and he was like, "Well, I've got to get the info," 
without exposing no pun intended my um who i am or anything but you like right. you've got a oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow that was blunt um but like he would absolutely do it like there's no question it's yeah. not about people questioning whether bond is gay but if in bond in that scenario it would absolutely do it yeah I, I i would have no problem with that at all and to me that would add a level of realism to the type of character that he is. I mean, he's done, you know, he's killed people. He's beat women up. He's, you know, slept with women for information. He's been through torture. He's, you know, done all of these things. So that to me wouldn't be a, a massive leap of logic. Um, How would people respond to that though? Public wise. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, as has been demonstrated by social media, in 2020, people would obviously, well, then before, people would, a subset of people would lose their shit. Yeah. Some people would be like, eh, whatever. And other people would be like, yeah, we need more of that. I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. I, 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 as long as it, to me, as long as it's done in a way that makes logical sense, like you mm. say, you know, like you say, if it, if he needed to get information off of someone or, take someone out or whatever it was. And it made sense the way it has made sense in previous films most of the time. Um, then, yeah, I've got no problem with it at all. If it's just done as a gratuitous, oh, Bond's gay now. It's like, okay, not yeah. saying he can't be, but that's a bit out of the blue. That would be a little bit of a... I, I mean, again, no problem with him being gay, but it just... Yeah, I it's woke know. for woke sake, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, and it's and you know, and again, I mean, this kind of dialing back a little bit to the you know whether they should get a black bond. I don't think they need to, but if there's an actor that's available at the time when they're recasting and he is, you know, got the right look, got the right acting chops, you know, and he's and he's he's up for doing it. I don't care what colour he is. Um, that That's my opinion. I don't think he necessarily needs to be a black dude because that's the way, that's the way progression works. I don't, I don't think that should be the case at all. I think it should just be, get the right person in to do the, do the role. I think they just need to slowly build towards any changes like this. Uh, rather than do it for you know, shock effect rather than, than do it to get, you know, to actually get a rise from people or to get headlines. I think it just needs to be done naturally and tastefully with, you know, with with a really good sense of, of, of why it has to be that and why it should be that and how it should work rather than just forcing it, you know, upon an audience because somehow you know they 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 want to tick certain boxes mm. I don't i don't want, i don't think that should happen i really hope they don't they don't just do these things for the sake of appearing as you said woke and appearing you know on trend and it it just doesn't doesn't it's just not as you said it's it's just not necessary but i think there's no reason why they can't and they have, and I think they have maybe maybe not enough, but they are starting to rebalance and make Bond a lot more realistic. And I think if they continue doing that and continue challenging some of the, um, you know, some of the notions of, of of what you know secret agents do and what the British government does and what MI five does and all that kind of and is MI six MI five got MI six. Civil service. What are the local MI6 councils? are overseas and MI5's uh, in our country. Yeah. Hello. Wow. Yeah, what, what are local council and mayor are up to and all that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff? I yeah, the guys that bring you recycling bags, MI5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I was, just, I was just racking my brain, actually, because I was just thinking, I'm sure... There is a scene in one of the Roger Moore ones where where he flirts with a guy to get something. That I am sure that that happened. I'm trying to think when it happened, but I'm sure. You say it was Jaws. 
I'm sure there was uh, there was an instance. I mean, it tells you something where you ha- I have to really, really rack my brain to think about when it was. But um, and knowing the Roger Moore ones, it was probably done in a really crass way. So um, it's probably best forgotten, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I got one it's final so question. If Ooh. anyone's got anyone to mind, but is there anyone that you think would make a great one, great Bond? Ah. Uh. Yes. I would say Ben Affleck. Apart from that, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> a joke. Um, yeah. I would have said Tom Hardy, funny enough. I Didn't someone, was it on the text group or something, someone said Fassbender. Yeah, um, Fassbender yeah. was, I think, was was shortlisted as well. Um, again, I, I, again, great, you know, great actor. Um, seems to have trouble with his accent. I was watching, I watched all the... Um, x-men films recently and his accent kind of drifted between uh because he's irish isn't he yeah 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 um kind of drifted between american german and, and irish in some parts and it was and it was really weird as well because it'd be like like strong like american and then like you'd say a line like really aggressively at someone who sounded really really irish like wait what <laughs> where'd that come from <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Fassbender, again, I, would, I don't think I would have, um, I would have been too upset with, with Fassbender as a choice. Hiddleston? Uh, Hiddleston, I, I would, I would have. It's a bit too on the nose for me, or like a bit too, on, like, sort of Pierce Brosnan on the nose in terms of the way people perceived him before. I don't think I'm ready for a Hiddleston myself. Mm. What yeah, about well, Alan Partridge? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or Rowan Atkinson. I think to let's promote Johnny English and let him uh, elevate his his serial number. Now I think it's time to get promoted. About um, Cillian Murphy. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Danny Dyer, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You want to get you want to get Cockney with it? God damn! You've got Tom Hardy. Throw Danny Dyer in there, maybe as a Q. <laughs> oh, no, that would just be brilliant. That would have been comedy gold. Um, <laughs> that you mugging me off, you! What the? F- <laughs> what about any uh, any Americans you think could turn their turn their, uh, their skills to it? Any American actors that aren't. Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually, for some reason, I don't know why, but I actually thought of Henry Cavill. He auditioned. He was very close to getting the role. I think just he got pipped by uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Yeah, because he, well, he did. He looked, I mean, you know, in terms of uh, not quite there, he was pretty good in Man from Uncle. Yeah, and he also um, yeah. he also turned up in one of the impossible, sorry, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible, Mission yeah. impossible movies as like a a bad spy character, you know, like a evil version of um, uh, Tom Cruise. Well, oh, when you said bad spy, did you mean evil or just like where is he? He's under the table. Oh, like <laughs> <laughs> he's not good. <laughs> God damn oh, it. They found me. Use your you quick, use your laser watch. Oh, I, I think it's on. I've got normal Casio. It's got an alarm on it. Will that work? Jeez. Yeah, we should what do about, that. It's a real a really shit spy film. What about um here's an interesting, potentially interesting one. And not for now, but like as a possible want to take over from Hardy if his uh, career goes on the right trajectory. Um, Nicholas Holt. So the guy, he was in... Interesting. He's in uh, Tolkien, uh, played Beast in X-Men. Um, yeah. yeah, not a bad call. How old is he? He's like, he's, he's, he's like uh, 29, 30 now, I think. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's like nowhere over 35, so I think he's like early 30s. 
Mm. So give Hardy, what, a couple of films, seven, eight years? Be in his late 30s? Yeah, could be. But then what about the guy who's in Gangs of London? He was also in Peaky Blinders. Joe Cole. Oh, one that was on The the Brothers? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Although to be... I never... Have you you both seen Gangs of London? No. I haven't yet, no. I recommend it, but Mm. it's really weird. He, for some reason, rather than having a a kind of Cockney accent or or even any kind of, you know, an Irish accent or something like that, he has this really weird middle-class accent. I just don't understand it because his... um, his dad in it is uh, Cole Meany, and you just think, well, you know, that's the most Irish man alive. Why? <laughs> why would your son have an incredibly, honestly, Bane esque? It, it reminds me of Bane. His accent. None of this makes any sense. Oh God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and, and on, on that note, as we bring it back round to Bane, I think we've reached the, our natural conclusion. Um, thank you very much for indulging me in my Bond obsession. Uh, my co-host i appreciate it um everyone go out see the film should be good uh and yeah have a good time thank you for joining us this evening and we'll catch you guys later